So stay in here with me. And the Lord's led me to go a different direction this morning from the book of Job. So I don't know when I'm going to preach that, that final message on Job. Someday down the road, though, I know I'm going, to, I'm going to preach it. I've got it ready to go, but the Lord tells me to go another direction. So that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to be looking at the book of Acts this morning. So if you'll turn there to the book of Acts, give me just a little bit of volume, Brother Andy, until I get going. At least in the monitor here, okay? Amen. Acts, Acts chapter 1. We preach the book of Acts from a lot of di directions. Because it's, I mean, it's the Word of God, so it's infinite. You can't get all of it. No matter what direction you go, you can't get all of it. And so this morning, uh, I'm going to focus on chapter 1, the book of Acts, from a different a perspective, and that is the passion of the early church. Look at your neighbor and say, the passion of the early church. Do you have a passion this morning for God? I said, do you have a passion for God? Are you emotionally, body, soul, and spirit just full of fire and love for God and His kingdom? Well, that's the, that's the area God's going to lead us in is the passion of the early church and in, in some ways it will encourage us and in some ways it will put us to shame and I know some of you don't like that word but it's the reality I'm, I'm telling you hallelujah but it's going to encourage us for sure so look at your neighbor and say the passion of the early church in Acts chapter 1 verse 1 if you're there say praise the Lord I'm gonna ask you again how many y'all have a passion you know what passion is, right? Well, it means two things. It means death. It means suffering and death. And then it also means that, that emotion, you know, that just something that's got a hold of you. I mean, it's a drive. It's, it's just like a volcano going off in you. It, hallelujah. <laughs> It can be expressed in anger. It can be expressed in love. How many of y'all have ever been passionately in love? Oh, I got one, two. Our brother Jonathan and Sister Angie, they're the only ones who have ever been passionately in love. Anybody else been passionately in love? Got a couple more that want to admit it. Passionately in love. How many of y'all have been passionately angry? So I got I got more response on that one than I did the love. Where's the love, Brother Jonathan? You need to, you need to teach us a love seminar, man. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Somebody close that door for me right there. Hallelujah, please. So you know what I'm talking about when you're talking about passionately in love or passionately anger. Y'all have experienced some of those emotions, right? At least one of them. How many of y'all are on fire and passionate love with Jesus? Can I tell you something? The formal church system is not in the Bible. This system of religion which gets together and sits on the pew, then there's no passion, there's no excitement, there's no fire. That's not in the Word of God. It's condemned by the Word of God. God calls it being lukewarm. He said, if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth, which means to be a person who has no passion. For God, I want to be a man of passion. 
And this early church was definitely passionate about God. And so if we want to find the pattern of church, we need to look in the Word of God. Not at the system today. The system today is not, for the most part, even found in the Bible. So I want, I want to know what the church is supposed to be like. You know, how is it we can go somewhere, you know, some entertainment thing and just get all excited about it, hallelujah. Jump up and down, you know, when, when your team's winning or whatever that, inter, you know, you feel all these things, emotions. And, and then when it comes to God, we're supposed to come and sit on a church pew somewhere, all dead and dry and formal. You don't find that in the Bible. Formalism is a curse. In Acts chapter 1, turn there please. In verse 1, the former treaties, say the first volume. Have I made, O Theophilus, Theophilus means friend of God, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Say action and words. Not just words, but action. All right. Until the day in which he was taken up after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Are you chosen? To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. Say his passion. He had passion. By many infallible proofs being seen of them forty days. And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Amen. Lord I just thank you for your word today. Take over. Have your way. Anoint us. Direct us. God, take us into the area you want us to go in today. And we, got, we love you, we praise you, and we glorify you. Hallelujah, Jesus. I will lift you up. I will praise you. I will yet glorify your name. And I love you in Jesus' name with all my heart. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. So we're just going to let God have his way this morning. And I'm going to bring some things to you new and old, right? Bible talks about the scribe, goes in, he brings new, and he brings old. So you're going to hear some things that you may already know. You're going to hear some new things at the same time. Say the passion of the early church. Amen. Say action. The book of Acts. It's called Acts because it's an action book. If you want to get excited, read the book of Acts because it's an action book. The church should be an action people. And so Luke is writing this, and he says that he had a former treatise. That's the gospel of Luke. He said, have I made, O Theophilus, friend of God, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Say what he began to do and teach. What's he talking about there? He's not just talking about the gospels. He's talking about the Old Testament. Because Jesus is God. So when you, when you talk about what Jesus began to do and teach, you're talking all the way back to creation. Okay? So we know a lot about what he did before the book of Acts, right? We know in the Gospels, his death, burial, and resurrection. We know in creation, he created the heavens and the earth. Now we come to the book of Acts and we find out that his work is continuing. That he's alive, that he's living. See, when I came here this morning, I'm not worshiping a dead God. Because the cross wasn't the end of the story. When he died on the cross, that wasn't it. He came out on the third day. And when he came out on the third day, see, I'm not like a lot of religious systems today who've gathered. 
and they are worshiping dead gods or something that used somebody that used to live who's long gone. But I am coming today in the presence of a living Savior. He is in this place right now. The cross didn't stop him. He rose again the third day. When he rose again the third day, he ascended up, sat on the right hand of the majesty on high, and then he poured out his spirit, his spirit, into his body, his church. And so right now he's working in you and through you. He's bringing his word to you and he's working through you. Do you believe that? He's alive this morning. He is not dead. You go into a lot of churches this morning and they're dead. But I'm telling you, he is not dead. He is alive. He is in this house this morning. And it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how I feel right now. He is alive. And he's something worthy to get passionate about, right? Well, the Bible says this right here. Wow. Hmm. He began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he chose to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. Say his passion. What is his passion? What was his passion? His death, his burial, and his resurrection. I said he died for you, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. That was his passion. What was the passion of the early church? The passion of the early church was his passion. The passion of the early church was preaching his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Do you have the passion of the early church? What was their passion? His death, burial, and resurrection, and preaching that gospel wherever they went. He had a passion. But I've got a passion for his passion. I am alive with it. I, my heart beats for it. My eyes see to see it. My mouth speaks to speak about it. My heart pounds with the power of what it's produced. My hands go about doing that work of ministry. My feet take me to preach to the world this awesome message. Everything about me, body, soul, spirit, mind, mind, will, emotion, eyes, mouth, ears, everything, my hands, my feet, my legs, everything about me. I should be a spiritual mechanism in the hand of God Almighty. Everything about me should burn with a passion to preach this gospel to the lost. He gave me all of my faculties to be used for his glory and his honor. Give God some praise here. There should be something in the church. Man, we should be alive with passion. We should be alive with excitement. And so the Bible goes on and says, he showed himself alive. Say, he showed himself alive. Is he alive in you this morning? You're standing on resurrection ground right now. Is he alive in you? If he's not alive in you, he can be alive in you. 
If you'll just repent of your sins, get filled with the Holy Ghost, then Jesus will enter inside of you, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. If you don't have him inside of you today, there's nothing to get excited about. Because you're dead. But you see, because he lives, he's living in me. He's living in this church. Oh, yeah. Look at them and say, I've been plunged into the Messianic kingdom. And I'm preaching a passion. With a passion. I'm preaching a passion with a passion. Nobody's going to cool me down. I'm not going to get cold. I'm not going to get lukewarm. I'm not going to get indifferent. I'm going to preach when I don't feel like preaching. I'm going to declare the word when I don't feel anything. And I'm going to keep on preaching until I get a passion. I'm going to keep on praising until I get a passion. I'm going to keep on singing until I get a passion. If I don't have a passion this morning, I'm going to get a passion before I leave this house. You can have your deadness because there's a living Jesus in this house. He didn't come to create a dead church. He came to create a church with power, a church with passion, a church that's alive. Hallelujah. A church that believes. Woo, hallelujah. You got to press. Because everything's going to try to shut you down this morning. Everything's going to say, no, 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 no. That's not necessary. Don't get excited, you know. If you don't get excited about this, you'll get excited about something out there. Has he showed himself alive to you? After his passion, to many infallible proofs. So what was the passion of the early church? His passion. Do you have that passion today? Woo! You give me just a little bit. It's, it might take me 10, 15, 20 minutes to find the vein, okay? But God's going to take over in just a little bit. And I, I'm just, what I'm doing is I'm feeling after his purpose. And when, when we find it, we're going to be all right. Hallelujah. I said, when we find it, we're going to be all right. I know I've got his mind. I'm just feeling after his, well, that vein where he wants me to run right now. Give God some praise in this house. Yeah. Is he alive in you? So their passion was his passion. And it says, by many infallible proofs. It's proven. Being seen of them. Have you seen him? Uh, Forty days. And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Say the kingdom of God. So what was it about? What, you, what was he preaching? The kingdom of God. Who is the king of kings and lord of lords? Who sits upon the throne right now? He's the king of kings. He's the potentate. Woo. So the passion of their passion, forgive me, this is just me, all right? The passion of their passion, come on, was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The passion of their passion was his passion. And not only that, but it was the potentate. The passion, come on, somebody. He is the potentate of this passion. He is the king of this passion. 
You're never going to find anybody that had more fire and more zeal and more desire than Jesus. He is the only potentate and only wise God. I'm telling you right now. So they knew what he did, and they knew who he was. Hallelujah. They knew he was the one that came and died for them, was buried, but rose again the third day. And they also know he ascended up to sit on the right hand of God Almighty, a symbol of power. They understood he was the king of kings and lord of lords. That Caesar was not king. We'll give God some praise in this house. Do you know you're in the kingdom of God right now? Do you know there is a king in this house? The Old Testament said there is a shout of the king in their midst. I'm starting to feel something happen in this house right now. He inhabits or is enthroned upon the praises of his people. And I'm telling you, if you will praise him, you will raise him. All you're doing is you're recognizing when you worship him, you are recognizing he's alive and he's on the throne. So the passion of their passion was what? His passion. Wow. Who's the king of passion? Jesus. And they went forth declaring his kingdom in this earth. It's not just a kingdom that's going to come. It's a kingdom that has, is invaded it has invaded time. It has invaded this world. His kingdom has invaded. Are you with me right now? It's not something that's just going to come in the future. It's here right now. Hello, kingdom of God. It's not a geographical place. The Bible said the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I tell you where you're going to find the kingdom of God. It's in the spirit. So they understood that when God plunged them in the Messianic kingdom and put them in the church, that he was the king of kings and lord of lords. And they understood at that very moment, they had been translated out of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. They understood where they were when they stood there. They knew that it wasn't just ground and terra firma and the earth. They knew in the spirit that they were in the kingdom of God. They knew in the spirit that they were in the heavenlies. They knew in the spirit that their king was in their midst. And when you know that, honey, you're not afraid of anything. If you know he's alive, you know he's on the throne, there's nothing can stop you. There's no devil in hell can stop you. Persecution can't stop you. Problems can't stop you. It's all knowing who he is. And if you know that, then there's going to be something that burns on the inside of you. Woo! Now the Bible goes on and says this. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise, say the promise, of the Father. Which saith he, you've heard of me. What's going to be the power of that passion? We know what the passion of the passion was. Come on. The passion of the church was the passion of the Lord. And we understand that he's the potentate of that passion. Well, what's the power of that passion? Come on, somebody. What is the power of this passion? It's his spirit. 
It's the promise of the Father. It was what was promised in the Old Testament. Come on, are you with me right here? That is the power of this passion. And if you don't have passion right now, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to get a revelation of his passion. You need to understand he's the king. And you need to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Say power. power. What's the power of the passion? Well, I just don't feel anything right now. We just get full of spirit. Because the power behind this passion is God's spirit. And some people will say, well, they just got emotional. They're just an emotional people. Well, hallelujah, we better be emotional about something. But what's going on in this house this morning is just not emotion. There is a power behind the passion, and the power behind the passion is the spirit of the living God. It's the promise of the Father. What's moving in me right now, I can't generate. But what's moving in me right now is regeneration. It's something that God is doing. Woo, hallelujah. Now watch what he says. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Say the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. Now it doesn't sound like most churches I've attended. Most churches I've attended don't even know he's in the house. Don't even, and you know what? He probably isn't in that house. But I'm here to tell you right now, this early church was alive with fire. It had the power of the Spirit. It understood the message. It understood the passion, passion of Jesus. It understood that he was the King of kings and Lord of lords. It understood that they were in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And everywhere they went, they turned the world upside down. And you can't turn the world upside down unless you got something burning in you. It is impossible. For you to turn the world upside down and not have something burning inside of you, a passion burning inside of you. Do you understand that, right? Give God some praise. He said, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Say, baptized. That means he's just going to come on all over you. He's going to move inside of you. Come on. you. He's going to baptize you. He's going to clothe you with his spirit. He goes on and says this, When they therefore will come together, they ask of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Say, the kingdom of, to Israel. They didn't understand that just, you know, shortly down the road that he was fixing to plunge them into a spiritual kingdom. They were just looking for an earthly kingdom. Now, I believe in the earthly kingdom that's going to come. But I want you to know right now you're already in the kingdom. And so Jesus says this, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power. You shall receive dunamis. See, there's different kinds of power in the word. There's exousia, which is authority. But right here, it's not just authority. He said, I'm going to give you dunamis. I'm going to give you dynamite power. I'm not only going to give you authority, but I am going to give you explosive ability. So that when you walk in this world, you're going to have my authority, but you're also going to have my explosive power that enables you to do signs, miracles, and wonders. I'm going to set you on fire. You're going to be like a dynamite going off. 
Woo, yeah. And when's this going to happen? After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be martyrs and witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. It's going to spread everywhere. Do you understand what I'm telling you? See, God wants to use you like a pebble, pebble that's dropped in the water. And when that pebble is dropped in the water, you know what it does? The circles just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And they are ever-expanding circles. God wants to take you, plunge you into this world right now. He's... You've got the message. You know who the king is. You've got the power of his spirit. Now he wants you to call, cause you to be like a pebble that sends out the circle of influence, not just geographically, but in every realm of life where you work the job you work on. I told Brother Daniel the other day, I said, you know what the kingdom of God is, me, is to me? It's you being a manager there where you work. That's the kingdom of God. It's not just standing behind a pulpit. You're in ministry, not when you, just, when you stand behind a pulpit only. It's when you're out there in those circles, and you're in that field, and you are laboring. And whether you're a manager, it doesn't matter if you're a manager or whatever, but you are in the kingdom of God, and you are causing a circle of ever-increasing influence to go forth. And that was the early church. They were like a pebble that hit that water, and it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and it was everlasting. It just kept on going. And I'm not really all sure about this, but if you go out in the middle of the ocean and you drop a rock in that middle of the ocean and that circle starts going and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it goes all the way to the shore, it never stops. It never ends. It just keeps on going. And I want you to know right now, you might not think you got much influence. You might feel like a pebble dropped in the water and you got a little circle of influence. But I'm telling you, if you'll just be that pebble in God's hands that is dropped in this vast sea of humanity. Pretty soon, your little bitty influence is going to be an ever-expanding, increasing influence for the kingdom of God. This church was set up by God to continue His work, what He began to do, what He began to do and teach. Hello, somebody. Well, I don't feel like I'm doing much, Pastor. Well, hallelujah, all you got to be is a little pebble, and it'll cause an ever-widening... Yes, give God some praise. Woo, I'm feeling pretty good right now. Woo. Pick up your Bible. Lift it up. Go, go get it if you don't have it. You lift up your Bible like this. Amen. What, what, uh, what testament am I in right now? I'm in the what? The New Testament. Why don't you do this? Take the first letter. The New Testament. What's the first letter of the? T. What's the first letter of new? N. What's the first letter of testament? Oh, T. N. T. I said T. N. T. Right now. And when God turned these people loose, they had so much power and so much passion that they exploded all around him. And the kingdom of God came falling upon everybody that was around him. They were TNT unleashed in this world. Let your neighbor say, you are TNT. See, some of y'all didn't know that. Hallelujah. We need to get some shirts that say TNT. 
And that means the New Testament Christian, you know, TNT Christian. I'm a TNT Christian. I'm, a, I'm the New Testament, come on, Christian. Give God some praise in this house. When you get around me, let me warn you, I might go off on you. When I get around you, let me just tell you, let me just warn you right now, I might just explode on you. Hallelujah. And if I just explode on you a little bit and it causes you to be split apart in many parts, when God brings you back together, he's going to put you back together right. Some of us need to be exploded. Some of us need to be re-put back together. Some of us have to have a passion inside of us. Let your name say TNT. They were TNT. Woo, hallelujah. problem is, the Bible says, watch this. They're going to go everywhere preaching in verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> See, what happened was the cloud received him out of their sight. And I can preach that, you know, the glory of God, and he is the king, the true king of Israel. But I want to bring it to you like this. What cloud has caused you to lose sight of him? Do you have so many problems in your life right now that you no longer have a vision of Jesus? Are you going through so many struggles right now that a cloud of despair has blocked your view of him? Have you lost sight of Jesus Christ? What are you seeing right now? These two men, or these angels, there are two men coming and say, why stand you here looking steadfast into heaven? What are you doing, you know, looking like a couple of, you know, a bunch of idiots looking up? <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> He'd look at him and say, what's wrong with you? Why are you looking like you're looking? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you, shall, shall so return, come back in like manner as you have seen him go away. I'm here to tell you right now, when you lost sight of him, I'm going to declare to you that if you'll just get a heart of passion for him, he will return in your vision. He's going to come back the same way he left. Where you lost sight of him is where you're going to find him again. If you lost sight of him by walking out of the church, you're going to see him again by walking back in the church. If you lost sight of him because of a problem and you stopped praying, I'm here to tell you where to find him again. Go back and talk to Jesus in the same place you lost him. The same place you lost sight of him is where you're going to find him again. But the enemy wants to tell you, no, you can't find him there again. He's not going to come back in that place again. But I'm here to tell you what he said. He said the same place he left is the same place he's coming back. The place you lost sight of him is the place you're going to see him again. I'm here to tell you right now that if you don't have passion and you don't have fire and you don't have TNT inside of you, I'm here to tell you right now the same place you lost sight of is the place you're going to find him again. 
that passion can be renewed. God can take that funny look off of your face. Ooh, give God some praise. And you want deadness. I didn't say, I'm, that's just a, you know. I'm not saying you really want it. But I'm telling you something, there's a lot more to this than just a dead old religious Pentecostal, Pentecostal formalism. There's something very powerful. Jesus is in this house. I said Jesus is in this house. If you've lost sight of him, you can find him. You can see him again right here before you leave this house. You can see him again. Hallelujah. My dog Blue died the other night, and I cried for two days. And my eyes, I'm telling you the truth, my eyes full of water. I just cried out to God. I said, God, I don't know why he died. He's only five years old. Why'd you let him die, God? I loved him like I, I love him more than anything, almost. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know one thing about it? I'm not going to let that stop me. I'm not going to let it cause me to lose... <laughs> Some of you say, well, he was just a stupid dog. Have you ever had one? <laughs> Have you ever had one and lost one? There's nothing like it. There's no pain like it. I, I, I mean, I've gone to people I know. I, I've gone to their funerals and didn't feel anything. <laughs> but I went to his, took him out and buried him, and I, I wasn't feeling a whole lot, you know. Didn't have a whole lot of emotion when I first found him. I loaded him up in my truck, took him to the house cemetery. Out there west of town, the houses have a, a dog cemetery there. And so we loaded old Blue up and took him up out there to the house's house <laughs> to find him a cemetery. Brother Mark had already, he was the, he was the, you know, the guy that dug the grave and the pallbearer too, undertaker, everything, you know. And I took Blue out there and laid him to rest, you know. And I wasn't really feeling a lot of emotion, but all of a sudden I just started praying to God. And I said, God, thank you for the time that he gave us, all the blessings and all the good times that we had, and how he protected us and how he watched over us and how he made sure we were secure. That dog had a passion. His passion was his family. I'm telling you something. And as I begin to pray and give thanks to God for that dog named Blue, tears begin to break forth in me. Something begin to take place in me. And I'm here to tell you something. Jesus is here. He cares about everything. He cares about every problem. He cares about every loss. And if right now there's tears that are clouding your view of him, I'm telling you right now, he's in the midst of that. He knows what you've gone through. He's there all the time. Hallelujah. I said out there on my little little kid's toy, looking over there in that pen where he used to be, and I just started crying, you know. <laughs> Walked in my house, and, and my wife was in the kitchen, and I grabbed a bunch of Kleenexes, and I just cried out to her. I said, Christina, why did he have to die? You, you don't know what I'm talking about. I, I know I'm a sissy. I know I am. Hallelujah. You don't have to tell me. But that dog meant a lot to me. Hallelujah. I, I'm telling you, I've been to family members' funerals I didn't have no emotion about. My, my dog named Blue, who I preached to you about in times past, he's no longer with us today. And, and little Hayden and little Evan and my little girl and Jeremiah got a tombstone, put it on there, R.I.P., rest in peace, hallelujah. And on that little tombstone, they said, here lies Blue, the best dog ever, rest in peace. And then they started listing their names from Victoria, from Hayden, from Evan, hallelujah, from Mark, from Sonia. I don't know who else's names were on there. And as I was reading all of that, I didn't see my name. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I looked at them and I said, where's my name? This was my dog. <laughs> you got everybody's name on here, but my name. This is my dog, you know. And they said, Pastor, you're the first one mentioned. I said, oh, there it is. I see it now. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I'm telling you something right now. I have an awesome God. God gave me that dog. I'm telling you, when Brother Dice passed away, my mentor, when he passed away, God gave me that dog. I didn't say the dog took the place of Brother Dice, but God, come on, are you with me? God supplied blue for me at that same very time as a memento and a memorial to the passing of Brother Dice. Are you here right now? Give God some praise. And just the other day, uh, you know, he passed away. I guess it was Friday and Saturday. I looked in the paper to see if I could find a replacement. And I found a replacement. And I found a little male. He's six months old, and he looks just like blue. So I know God's hand was there. I know his invisible hand's there. I'm telling you right now, he's an awesome, awesome God. He knows about the pain you carry. He knows about the loss you're going through. Just don't let it block him out. Keep looking. Keep seeing. You're going to see his hand. He's an awesome. So y'all pray for us. Our family is in grieving right now. We've lost probably one of the closest members of our family. He was an awesome dog. Do you understand what I'm telling you? <laughs> I just pray when you pass, when you pass away, I had the, the kind of emotion I had for blue. <laughs> I said, I hope, you, I hope I have the same kind of passion I have for you that I had for blue. See, I had a passion. I understand passion. I want you to know right now, if you don't feel, come on, Jesus is an awesome God. You should feel something burning inside of you. There should be an awesome love for you, Jesus. Have you lost your false love? Has something brought in him out of your view today? I'm here to tell you, you need to rekindle that view. You need to rekindle. You need to see him again. Give God some praise. Victoria asked me this morning, she said, Daddy, are you going to tell the church that Blue died? I said, no, I'm not going to tell them. But I had to tell you, hallelujah. I had to tell you. Praise God. That way y'all cry with me. Will y'all cry with me? Y'all have some passion? You know what? It's about time to get real. It's time for a church to be real. We walked around with a facade so long. We've got so many things that are in front of us right now. We act the act. We play the part. We know how to do it. We know how to talk the talk. We know how to do all of that stuff. But it's time that we have a real passion. It's time that tears flow down our face. It's time that our heart burns with a love for Jesus Christ and his word. Hallelujah. So I appreciate it. I want to publicly thank the houses for letting us bury him in their cemetery. And I want to publicly thank uh, Brother Daniel and his wife for bringing me uh, some flowers. They brought me some flowers. And it, they were blue flowers wrapped in a blue thing and, 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 a, and a little blue, you know, little blue round thing with a, with a smiley face who's no longer smiling. With it down like this. And they said, you know, I hear your days are blue or something like that. You know, you're feeling a little blue is what it was. Feeling a little blue and gave me some good old chocolate candy. <laughs> so Brother Daniel, I told him, I told, called him, told him, thank you. And he said, have you eaten any chocolate? And I said, no, I haven't yet. He said, you need to. <laughs> Isn't God good? 
But, but you know what? If we go through life and we never experience pain, you know, some people say, well, why do we even have pets? Because we have so much hurt. But I'm telling you, what would life be if you just go through life like a robot and there's no feeling, there's no emotion, there's no love, there's no pain? Come on. If you've never had pain over the loss of something, you've never learned to love something. And I'm here to tell you right now, we can't go through life not experiencing life. We can't go through life not experiencing grief. We can't go through life like that. No, you say, I don't want any sorrow. Do you understand the opposite of, of a passion of love and well-being is, the, is this pain and this suffering and grief that you go through? It causes you to be passionate. God created you to be passionate. That's my whole point. He created you to cry. He created you to praise. He created you to dance. He created you to weep and to mourn. But he just don't want you to lose sight of him. Because then he'll come and look at you and say, why stand you here gazing up into heaven? Come on, somebody. He's going to come back right where he left. Give God some praise. Have y'all seen his invisible hand? He lost something and he replaced it. How many of y'all know how good a God he is? I said, he's an awesome God. There is no God like my God. So to Sonia called me the other day. She said, how you doing? I said, give me a few days. Give me a few days and I'll be over it in a few days. You know, hallelujah. But I'm feeling passion. I've got some emotion here. I don't want it to be there. Yeah, I'm trying to hide it, you know, get my glasses out, you know, my black glasses out. <laughs> don't want nobody to see me crying, going all run off in the room my wife, so my wife don't see me crying. You know, and I walk in my kitchen room, and I just, it just, just, burnt, just broke forth, just started bellowing like a baby. <laughs> Hallelujah. Got my Kleenexes, walked back out, out there and sat there by his fence. He said, there's where he died. Hallelujah. <laughs> And just cried and cried and cried. It was a good cry. Probably the first good cry I've had in a long time. I've had some bad cries, but I had a good cry the other day. Amen. And some of you need to have a good cry. You need to let some emotion come out of you. You need to cry. You need to take some things to Jesus. You need to talk to him about some stuff. You need to tell him about your pain and your grief and your loss. You need to express some of that to him. If you'll do that, he'll minister to you. And I thought, I thought, as I was going through that, I thought about uh, a brother over here, right here, sitting by, right here at the end, right here, praise God. What's your name, Brother Albert? <laughs> I know. <laughs> thought of him, don't remember his name, but thought of him. I'm just kidding, brother. Brother Albert, I thought about his loss, you know, the loss of his wife, all of that stuff that took place there, you know, and the grief that that man's gone through for many, many years. It's been years, hasn't it, brother? How many years? Four years. And all the grief he's gone through and all just the, the agony and the suffering and the passion. You know what I'm saying? But, brother, we can't escape that. Aren't you thankful that you loved somebody? Hallelujah. I know, I know that it hurts, but at least you have some children that you still love and you had. A, come on. Are you with me right now? We can't escape all of this. We can't. But I don't want to ever lose sight of Jesus. He is so awesome. He's so glorious. And you do know that he, he died. You do know he experienced grief. You know he went through some things. But don't lose sight of him. I said, don't lose sight of him. Have passion. Have passion. Cry. Love. You know, macho men, we can't cry very good. No, we come to church, man, we want everybody to think we're tough. I don't cry. I don't cry. No, I don't cry. 
Not, not, brother, not Brother Cardoza. That's awesome. I'm, that's awesome, brother. See, you're a man of passion. You're a man of passion. Men of passion cry. Men of passion are moved. Men of passion are not these zombies that walk around and try to put on a front like everything's okay and wonderful with them. Real men know they, they are men of passion. God's looking for men of passion, men who can cry, men who can feel, men who can weep, men who can praise, men who can rejoice. He's coming back. Look at him say, he's coming back. Yeah, he's coming back. Right now, in fact, he's already showed up. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't God an awesome God? The Bible said, then, then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. Say a Sabbath day's journey. They went from the place of vision to the place of deed. They went from the place of vision to the place of action. They saw the vision of the glorified risen Lord. But they didn't just stand there and say, oh, wow, look at that vision. That was awesome. They took that vision and they implemented it into action. I'm, come on, somebody. You need a vision. But once you get that vision of the Lord, then you need to do something with that vision. You need to have a passion about what you saw. You need to put what you saw into action. Give God some praise about a Sabbath day's journey. It's about a half mile. We got to get back to Jerusalem. We got to get back in that place in the streets there. We got to do something with what we've seen here. We can't just hold on to it. Just keep it here. This passion should drive us back to Jerusalem. It should take us to the streets. It should cause us to go and tell the lost about him. What good is the vision? What good is seeing the awesome things of the Lord if it doesn't inspire action? They could have stand there at the Mount of Olives and say, wow, wasn't that awesome? Wow. No, that passion caused them to go. That passion said, you know what? we got to go to Jerusalem. There's some people in the streets over there. they got to know about what we just saw. they got to know that he's alive. Come on, give God praise. <laughs> the Bible said they were coming to the upper room. Come on. Where abode Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zealotus, Judas, the brother of James. These all continue with one accord in prayer. Say prayer. Say Petro. Say the Petro of the passion. Say the Petra of the passion. Say the Peter of the passion. Peter comes from Petra. Petro comes from Petra. I'm here to tell you right now that the Petra or the Petro of the if you don't have fuel right now and somewhere along the line you've lost your passion I'm telling you what the petra or the petrol or the fuel of that passion is and that's prayer that's what God spoke to me he said you tell my people if they don't have a passion to find a place of prayer and it will fuel their passion I'm telling you, when you come back in this house tonight, you're not going to come the same way you came this morning. Because you're going to have the fuel of His Spirit. 
And we're going to have a move of God tonight. And what's happening right now is a foundation that's being laid for what's going to happen in this house tonight. But I want you to know you need to get fueled with his passion. You need to get full of his power. You need to have some petrol inside of you. Give God some praise. You need to get some petroleum moving inside of you. And it comes by prayer. And it comes by praise. Now watch. Notice who's all up in this upper room. We got, we got James and John. The sons of Zebedee. And they have one personality. They are passionate men. James and John, the son of Zebedee, are called the sons of thunder. I said, they're called the sons of thunder. They were men of passion. They were so passionate, albeit misguided. Yes, when one city didn't want Jesus to come into their city, they said, just burn them up. <laughs> Let's just call down fire from heaven and burn up the whole city. They rejected the Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Let's, they, I, I thank God for that. I said, I thank God for that kind of love. They had so much love for Jesus. And somebody rejected and said, just burn them up right now. And yes, Jesus had to correct his disciples and say, you don't know what spirit you're up. He had to correct them. But, that, you know, on the inside of him, I'm thinking, I think he was going, yes. <laughs> At least I've got somebody that has some kind of passion. Somebody that loves me enough that if I'm rejected by somebody, they're going to say, hey, we're not going to tolerate that. Just, we'll just call down fire right now. We'll just burn the whole, whole city up. <laughs> Just said, hey, 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 disciples, y'all you, you, you calm down here. I mean, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I came to save and not destroy everybody. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, I, I, I'm paraphrasing, but I, I appreciate your fire, and I appreciate your thunder, and I appreciate your lightning that's going off inside of you right now. I really appreciate that. Don't ever, come on, don't ever lose that. But I've got I've to somehow, I've got to temper that. I've got to teach you how to use that kind of stuff. Just go ahead and be like thunder. Be sons of thunder. Be like a lightning going off. Be like a roaring, rolling thunder. Go ahead, James. Go ahead, John. But I've got to, but I've just got to turn it. I've got to orchestrate it so that you can use that thunder and that light and that power to bring people come to into my kingdom instead of destroying them. But what's interesting to me is that you have family here. You have James and John, the sons of thunder. Isn't that awesome? I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to take your passion and go to your family. You, every one of you need to get your family in here. But brother, mine's over here somewhere else. Okay, well, you can't hardly do that. Unless you want to call them up and say, hey, move to Odessa. Are you with me? Like Brother Renee, you know, he sees the passion and the fire in Brother and Sister Cardoza, you know, in their family. He says, you know what? I need what you need. I think I'll move to Odessa. He packs up all the way. Moved to California, packs up, drives all the way back, come, makes two trips to California, gets his stuff, has to go back and get some more of his stuff, comes back, finds up home. You know why he's here? Not because there was a better job here. Why he's here is because God is here. And the reason why he's here is because he saw somebody that had passion for Jesus. He saw something in somebody that he, he said, you know what, if I can just get what they got, that if they were transformed, I can be transformed. So if you got family members in out of state or out of town, just call them and say, hey, y'all need to move over here. Hallelujah. 
You need Jesus, hallelujah. You need what we got. You might be surprised how many of them pack up and are so sick and tired of being where they are. You might be surprised where they are right now in their families. Their families are falling apart. Their homes are falling apart. Their finances are falling apart. Come on, their lives are falling apart. And you just start talking to them with a passion and a love and a fire. Something can motivate them to move from one place to another place. And it literally puts them and plunges them into the kingdom of God. But, you know, I can, I can see. The enemy comes over there and starts talking to Brother Sister Cardoza. Brother Renee, he, he's not going to want to move to Odessa. <laughs> you know. Oh, really? Well, he's here. <laughs> and y'all just be very, very compassionate and gracious because he's a California A. <laughs> and they're very different. <laughs> you know, we, we Texans here, you know, we, we got two guns on our belt. And, <laughs> you know... And he's a surfer dude, you know. So y'all just be very, y'all pray for him. Not only we want him to be, you know, transformed into the kingdom of God, but we want to turn him into a Texan. But it's going to take years, I can see. We still haven't been able to accomplish it with Brother and Sister Cardoza and his family. We don't, I pretty much threw my hands up. They're California all the way. But I want to tell you something, friend. It's worth it, isn't it? It's worth the move. It's worth it. There's nothing like living for Jesus, I'll tell you. See, if you can just come in here, not just one time, but you know what I say to myself? I see somebody come the second time. I say, oh, we almost got them now. First time, they're pretty much in shock. We explode all over them, you know. So they're pretty much in shock. What went off there, you know? But if we can get them back a second time. I think to myself, they're not far from the kingdom. If I get them back a third time, it's not going to be long now, man. They're going to come in. Hallelujah. Because first time they come in this place, see, they're used to the old former religious systems. They don't know nothing about the move of God. They don't know nothing about the power of God. They don't know nothing about the spirit of the living God. They don't know nothing about He's alive and there's passion in this. And when they come, they get blown away. But if we can get them back, hallelujah, the second time, she's going to say, oh, man, I, I got to go back. Hallelujah. I got to get, gotta get some of that. You know, I, look at this brother right here. Stand up here, brother, the platform. On the platform, brother Jonathan, hallelujah. This brother, it took me a year to pray him through. I'm not saying he didn't get the Holy Ghost. I'm saying he already had the Holy Ghost, but it took me a year to get him prayed through after he got the Holy Ghost. He just sat over there real quiet. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, brother. He real quiet. He come talk to me. Hello, brother, pastor. How you doing, brother? God bless you. I appreciate you. And he sat over there with his wife real quiet and shy, you know, and all that. And then all of a sudden, something happened to him. Something exploded inside of him, you know. I remember the first time I put, a, I put a mic in his hand, and he said, praise God. And right, you know, he does right like that, you know. I was standing back there, and it almost blew me over, man. I mean, dynamite went off, and I went, woo. I felt the concussion, hallelujah. I said, I felt the concussion. But I want to explain something to you about this power we're talking about. You don't seek power just for power's sake. Power doesn't come just for power's sake. Power is connected to a commission. 
And if you don't have something driving you, a commission taking you out there, then the power is not necessary. But the power is linked to the commission. And when you got a commission on your life, then God's going to empower you to fulfill the commission. It's not power just for power's sake. But God will tell the church to do something impossible. He puts a commission in it. And when he puts in the commission on it, then he gives power for the commission. He don't come in here and just, just pour out his power just for the power's sake. He comes in here because he's got a purpose, man. He, he's got something he's doing. He, both, he began both to do and to teach. He's doing something. So power comes with commission. Do you know what God wants you to do? If you know what God wants you to do, you'll have all the power you need to fulfill it. Give God praise. <clears throat> Some of us say, God, we want power. Oh, I wish I had power. I tell you what you pray. God, show me your plan. What is your commission? And Lord, I will do it. And as I'm doing it, that power will be connected to that commission. And I will get the power, not just for power's sake, but you will empower me because you've told me to do something. Give God some praise here in this place. That's why I'm telling you, the more active and the more involved you get in the kingdom of God, the more excited you get. And you know why? Because there's more power being unleashed in your life. Because the level of power is regulated based on the level of commission. And if you've been commissioned to do something awesome, then God's going to unleash awesome power in your life. Brother Thomas said the other morning, he said, you know, I said, I've seen power on people, but I've never experienced it like I did this morning. I want to tell you why you experienced it, because he's got a plan for you. He's got a work for you. He's got a job for you to do. And when you understand your purpose, what you're supposed to be doing, man, God will just keep pouring out the power on you. Hallelujah. Can I tell you something? The same power, the same spirit of God that was in those apostles is in you. Then what's the difference? They went. They went forth and fulfilling that commission. And as they went forth, God gave them the power that they needed to see blind eyes open and deaf ears open and the lame to walk. Come on, are you with me right now? They had all the power they needed, but it was connected with the commission and not power itself. Y'all understand, right? How many of y'all want more power? Then get more active. Because if you're not careful, if you're not, come on, if you don't have a commission, you won't have any power. What happens is you start getting paralyzed in the parts of your body you don't use. If you never use it, you'll go. <laughs> you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And you become paralyzed in those areas of your life. There's no power in that hand anymore. Because God told you to do something with that hand. And so when you're doing his, what he tells you to do with that hand, all of a sudden you got power to come back in that hand. You're no longer paralyzed anymore. I don't want rigor mortis to sit in me. I don't want to get stiff. You get stiff, you get paralyzed, mean there's no power anymore. You've got to exercise. You've got to be involved. And when you get involved, it's amazing how the power is there. Not only the power, but the provision is there. Give God some praise. 
I was talking to, you know, Jimmy Smith, this, this, this man, this broker here on this property, he just won't leave me alone. <laughs> he's calling me, and he's calling me, and he's calling me, and they're making changes and conditions and all kinds of stuff. They said they'd make a $25,000 down payment for us if we wanted to do it, you know. Hallelujah. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> They've already discounted it $40,000. And then they said, by the way, we'll make a $25,000 down payment for your church. We'll give a tithe to your church of $25,000 for the down payment. So, you know, he won't leave me alone. Hallelujah. And, and I told him, you know, he said, well, I hear that y'all you have a television and radio ministry. I said, yeah, we, you know, we do. And it, it, right now we're not on television, but we were. And I said, you know, God is so awesome that in two months' time we paid 40-something thousand dollars for our equipment, paid cash for it, you know, paid for it. He said, man, you have an awesome congregation. He's never even stepped foot in this house. But he said, you've got an awesome congregation. I'm telling you something right now. If God's commissioned you, He will empower you and He will give you the provision that you need. But if you're not going to do anything with what you got, He's not going to give you any more than you have. But if you want more than you got, then you got to do something with what you've got. And if you do something with what you got, God will empower you based on the commission. Now, I didn't say we're buying yet. I haven't, I don't have a, a release yet. Or, or maybe I should say I don't have a, a, a kick yet from God. <laughs> you haven't plunged me. You're, you're still talking about $225,000. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, if God tells us, I don't even think twice. But I, we got to know it's God, church. I said, don't we got to know it's God? You know what's so awesome is? At the same time, you know, in the future, we're going to buy this property in front of us. We know if, at some point we've got to scrape these two houses in front of us off the land because we're going to build our church right here in a parking lot in the front. See, I'm talking like it's already happening. <laughs> so in order to build our church right here in a parking lot in the front, you know, then we've got to scrape these two houses. And so yeah, I was thinking to myself, where are we going to find a demolition team to do that? So I was driving down... Um, uh, 8th Street, while Blue was passing away, I was driving at, I know that's true, and I was driving down 8th Street, and there was a demolition crew dem demolishing a, a building over there, I think it's 8th Street there, and I just pulled over there, and I said, hey, I want you to come over here and look at our, this property we were, gonna, we're looking at, and tell us what it would cost to demolish those buildings in the front, and I said, by the way, I want you to tell us what it demolished, what it'd take to demolish these buildings in the back, because we might build it back here and not there, so anyway, I got him over here, and he said, well, I'll tell you what, he said, I think I can demolish this big building here, and that building over there for 20000 he said, I think I do the, that front part there for about 25,000. I said, okay, praise the Lord. My point is this, is that God will empower you based on the commission. He will place people in your life. If it's, now I'm not, I'm not just jumping out there. I'm not going to be in, you know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tempt the Lord, my God. But if he's in it, I guarantee you, all I got to do is just walk through the doors. All we got to do is just walk through the doors. All we got to do is make ourselves available. All we've got to do is have a passion to see it happen. These people want to give $25,000 as a down payment. Don't even attend this church. I, and here's the awesome thing. I didn't even ask him for it. <laughs> I talked to the banker. I said, he, they discounted it $40,000. He said, man, that's an awesome deal. 
He said, money's 5%. He said, it's a good time to get and buy money right now. He's getting, he said, there's nothing wrong with this deal. He said, it's an awesome deal. This is what the banker said. He said, we'll do whatever, you know, whatever you want to do. No problem. I said, well, here's the, here's the deal. We've got to decide whether or not we want that kind of obligation. <laughs> Hello? Hello? <laughs> and, and in case you don't know it, you carry, you know, you carry maybe 10 pounds of it on your shoulders. I'm not, I'm not talking finances. Y'all are the ones that are going to finance it along with myself if we do it. You with me here? But I'm telling you, being concerned about it and knowing it's there, you know, is on my shoulder. Y'all come to church happy, praise the Lord. Don't even know. Don't know how much the bills are. Don't know, you know. Hallelujah. We're just happy we show up. Praise God. Look at this nice church. Hallelujah. Don't know the bill that we had a $700 electric bill last month. Praise God. Don't know that the payment is $2,300 plus $800 in insurance a month, you know. And everybody's calling me up at the same time saying, hey, pastor, can you pay my rent for me? Can you do this for me? I'm talking about people that's not even in the church. I'm Almost on a daily basis. They want me to pay their rent and do all this. <laughs> I'm going to get to a point and say, I'll tell you what. You pay ours for one month and I'll pay yours for one month. <laughs> I'll send you our $2,300 one. You send me your, your you know, $250 one. I'll pay yours. No problem. <laughs> do you understand what I'm telling you? But God is an awesome God. And if it's will, if it's His will, we just have to know the time. He'll tell us when. I said, he'll tell us when. I said, he'll tell us when. He's an awesome God. You know, we were sitting on a million and a quarter. See, I'm getting into money. I'm sorry. <laughs> Forgive me for that. But we're sitting on a million and a quarter dollar property if it were to be built brand new. And you know what? We only owe $150,000 on it. I told that to that man, to that, to, to that, really, to that broker. It blew his mind. He said, you're kidding me. I said, no, man. No, it's like, it's like, and you're having a problem with investment? <laughs> when we've discounted it 40000 and we're going to put your down payment down to 25000 and you still got a problem, you only owe $150,000 on that, you got all kinds of, like, he going on and on and on and on and on and on, on. He wants us to build a new church. <laughs> Real bad. <laughs> build it. <laughs> I said, I'm going to be praying this weekend. He said, so am I. He's, a, he's an awesome guy, man. Jimmy Smith's an awesome guy. He's the church, goes to church somewhere in Midland. He's, a, you know, on the, the board, the Midland board, one of the commissioners over there, you know anything? He's a really cool guy. But I'm telling you something. God is an awesome God. I said, God is an awesome God. And if it's his will, he will empower that commission. It will come to pass. And the reason why this church has gone as far as it's gone, the reason why is because you've got a passion, you've got a tribe, you've got a fire, you've got a love for God. Without that, we would not be where we are today. But we obey God and said, God, we will do what you tell us. Y'all doing okay? So you need to get your families in here. Not, not so we can build a new church. Just get your families in for the kingdom of God's sake. Hello? Because you got, you got two brothers here, James and John. They're in the family, and they're the sons of the... How many of y'all sons of thunder I got in here? You know, if you are thunder and lightning, there's more power in thunder and lightning than there is in a TNT stick. 
I don't want it to be just, I don't want to be TNT only. I want to be thunder and lightning. I want, I want to be like James and John, sons of thunder. I tell you what, they had so much zeal for God, you'd have a hard time walking right beside them. You'd have a hard time walking with them. They had so much zeal for God. You know what I'm saying? How many of y'all want that kind of zeal for God? We have busy ministers come in here sometime and preach to us, you know, evangelists and whatnot. And it blows their mind when they see y'all. Y'all start preaching, giving your testimony. Ah, my. <laughs> and, and anyway, some of the women, man, we, they, you know, the women were testifying one night. Brother Will Hoyt said, he just looked at y'all, you know, he's going, man, look at them. Look at them go, boy. They were fired up. You know what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. Even my brother-in-law says, you know, he says, man, you know, we have our church, but they're not like your people. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> But I'm going to tell you something. We haven't arrived yet. We can be like sons of thunder. Walking so close to God that people say, man, I don't know if I want to get around them. Man, they got so much zeal. Can't hang with them dudes, man. How many of y'all love Jesus? Hey, this is the only thing worth living for. <laughs> You gave your passion and your heart to the things of this world 100%. And it does not fulfill. But when you give your heart and your passion and your drive and your, your gift, <coughs> your ability, you give that to God. And there's nothing that satisfies you like the kingdom of God. Because what happens is that power and that wisdom of His Spirit comes upon you. You start building His tabernacle. You start serving Him. And God said, give Him more wisdom. Give Him more power. God, I'm going Let your neighbor say, use it or lose it. I don't want to lose it. How many of y'all want to lose it? I don't want to lose it, man. I want to use it. Because right, I'm not satisfied where I am. There's a whole lot more of God. I know there's a whole lot more of God. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going after it. Just say, I'm going after him. Look at your neighbor and say, you, you just think you've seen me fired up. You haven't seen nothing yet. Because God's been challenging me. And because God's challenging me, he's about to turn me loose. God is going to have a church in Odessa, Texas that is awesome. God's going to have a church in Odessa, Texas that is a book of Acts type church. God is going to have an apostolic church that goes forth with a passion and a zeal. But you know what? To be a son of thunder, I don't want people to say, I, I can't walk with them. I, want, I don't want people to say that. I want devils to say that. Because if the devil is comfortable in my presence, then I don't have enough of God inside of me. But if I've got God inside of me, and he's going off in me like thunder and lightning, there's no devil that can hang with me. There's no devil that wants to be around me because I'm too hot for him. I'm too fired up for him. I've got too much power for him. The devil can't handle me. And when those little imps walk up to the devil, say, hey, can I go bug 
you know, so-and-so in that church over there. Uh, or, or I asked him for this way. The devil says, now, I want you to, today, I want you to be in charge of Brother Patrick, and I want you to go give him a bad day. And when the enemy tells his little imp to go bother Brother Patrick, that imp looks back at the devil and says, Lord, have mercy on me. So that, so that even that devil starts praying, Lord, have mercy on me. I don't want anything to do with Brother Patrick. That guy's too fired up. He's got too much zeal. He's too dedicated. He's so dedicated. He's made a financial commitment to the house of God. Even if his children don't have school supplies, he's still going to meet that commitment that he made to God. I don't want anything to do. I don't want to even get around that guy. Look at the fire coming out of his eyes. See, he's either going to run you or you're going to run him. If you don't run him, he's going to run you. So you might as well get full of God, full of the Holy Ghost, full of power, full of zeal. If you do that, I guarantee you, those devils that are giving you problems are going to say, I can't get around that brother. I can't get around that sister. She's too hot to handle. He's too hot to handle. Got too much power, too much power, too much zeal, too much commitment. You can't do anything with God's true church. You can take them and you can throw them out in the amphitheaters and try to feed into the lions. And you know what they'll do? History says they sang so loud that they drowned out the roars of the lions. You couldn't hear the beast that were attacking the saints because the saints were louder than the beast. And you can't be louder than the beast that are attacking you if you don't have a fire inside of you. You can't be louder than the beasts that are attacking you if you're silent and you're paralyzed and rigor mortis is sitting in. But I'm going to tell you, if you'll get on fire, that those beasts that are coming against you, those roaring lions that are coming against you, I want you to know right now, you can drown them out. You can praise the name of the Lord your God. You can be so on fire. They had a passion. Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Roman soldiers, they were put in charge over those Christians. When they saw their zeal and their commitment and their passion for Jesus, many of them laid down their swords and walked into amphitheaters with those Christians because those Christians had something that was so awesome. They said, man, I want what you got, and I'll walk out there with you, and I'll die for this Jesus. I'll die with you for this Jesus. I'm talking about the passion of the early church. Even the roars of lions couldn't drown out their praise. But, the, you know, this world, this age, even Christians will come around and say, you know what, be passive. Don't be passionate. Be passive. You know, don't, don't get so really into this. You, you know, you're, this is, you're going too far with this. You're going too far. Going to church Sunday morning and Sunday night. 
and then going back on a Wednesday too. You're taking this. You're taking your religion too far. That's what they'll tell you. Are you funny? Are you with me right now? I want to be so on fire that the enemy, when he, when he, <laughs> when the devil says, "Okay, you go, you bother Brother Albert today," and the devil goes, "Lord, have mercy on me." <laughs> Because I know what he's going to do. I know the way he's going to respond. I can throw everything at him like I did Job. I can throw everything I can at him. But the Bible said Job fell down and he worshipped God. I took his children. I took his wealth. I took everything he had. I took his health. But you know what? Job worshipped God. He did not charge God foolishly. You can take his wealth. You can touch his children. You can, come on. You can touch his health. But he's still going to be full of power. He's still going to praise me. He's still going to worship me. He's still going to be committed. He's got a passion for me. Nothing, can, nothing will stop him. Nothing will shut him down. Tried everything. Tried finance. Couldn't shut them down. Tried health. Tried to take the health. Couldn't shut them down. Tried loss in their life. Couldn't shut them down. Can't put out the fire, God. I said, you can't put it out. I said, you can't put it out. I'm telling you, if you could see in the regions of the spirit world, if you could see and you could hear what goes on in the spirit world, those enemies that are, have been charged to come against you are trembling. Because they've come in contact with religious people, but they've never, they've never faced anybody like you. They've never dealt with anybody like you. And they are scared to death. Submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he will run from you. I said he'll run from you. Chase him out of your life. Submit to God. Get on fire and chase him out of your life. Sons of thunder. James and John, I guarantee you, these men were men of passion and the enemy didn't want to mess with them. Are you with me right now? Give God some praise. Whew, yeah. Hmm. John gets to see the book of Revelation, boil him in hot oil, cast him out on the Isle of Patmos, leave him barefoot, walk in the mines, work in the mines over there in Patmos, which means the places of my killing. Throw me out in the place of my killing called Patmos barefoot. They're working in the mines. Let me see something run across me that looks good for food, even though it's a roach. It doesn't matter to me if I can just see him. If I can just get a vision of the one that's sitting on the throne that Acts is talking about. If I can just see that king, then I would understand why John, who was willing to go out there on the aisle, the place of his killing, and eat all kinds of crazy stuff, barefoot, working in the mines. Come on, are you with me right now? There was something special about those men, and there's something special about you because you are because you are his church, and the same spirit that was in James and John is in you. Man, I, I've got to hurry. I got five more hours worth of stuff to preach to you. Give God a hand clap of praise in this house. 
What has the enemy thrown at you lately to try to shut you down? You need to get some petrol. You need to fuel your passion. You need to get full of the power of the Holy Ghost. And you need to bulldoze all over him right now. And when you do, not just bull. Not just bulldoze over him, but when you run over him, the tracks that you leave on top of his body are burning red hot. If you don't, he's going to try to bulldoze over you. He's going to try to run over you and try to kill you. I want to tell you something right now. I'm going to kill the dragon. The dragon's not going to kill me. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a son of thunder? <laughs> Glory to God. My wife asked me about blue. She said, do you think lightning hit him? I said, no, there would be fire all around him. <laughs> there would be black, black marks all around him if they were. And I'm telling you right now, I want to see some black marks around some of y'all. I want to see some signs. Don't tell me, yeah, boy, yeah, I've been hit by lightning. I, I've got thunder in me and I don't see no signs. Come on. I, you know what? If you've been hit by lightning, there's going to be some signs around you. There's going to be some marks. There's going to be marks of a true believer. The marks of a true believer. <clears throat> Birthmarks of a true believer. Watermark. Water baptism mark. A mark of fire. A mark of the spit. I said there's going to be birthmarks. I want to see some birthmarks. I, I want, can y'all see any birthmarks on me? No, no, I, I mean, don't, don't, don't make me feel good. Y'all see anything? A little bit? Just a little bit, just a little bit, brother. Hallelujah. Will you pray for me to get more? <laughs> if the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers named Gruden, if he can get fired up about a football game, if he can get intensity about a football game, what has happened to the church of the living God? Purcell's head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, which is the team better than the Raiders ever thought about being Brother Renee. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Don't feel bad. I kind of like them too because they're intense, you know. But he, Gruden used to be the head coach of the, temp, uh, of, of, of the Raiders too, man. He put some intensity in those people, man. I'm trying to show you something right now. What has happened to us? We think we got to get laid, laid back and lukewarm. And then we we'll watch a football game and we see the intensity of those coaches. And we're like, yeah, boy, look at that. Well, that's awesome, isn't it? And we come in. Uh. I told you Sunday morning, I said I came, I just was feeling, I was just getting to the point, this warfare stuff, you know. I said, I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn the service over to Brother Andy, I'm Brother Daniel, Sunday night, and I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to let y'all have your way. Hallelujah. Do your thing. You know, I'm not even going to show up. Hallelujah. Y'all just have your thing. You don't need me. Hallelujah. You just have your thing. And I'm going to stay home. And I told you that last Sunday, you know, but I came, went ahead and come, and I preached Sunday nights, you know. But you know what? I got home, and when I got home, I found out that Par Purcells, Parcells, Coach Parcells did just that. He walked off the, the field. He said, I'm going to leave you in charge. I'm going to leave you in the charge. I ain't got time. If you're not going to be responsible, if you're not going to get real, I don't have time for you anymore. That coach, he walked off the field. He left them on the field. He left his players on the field. I, when I found that out, I said, you know, I just told my church that's what I was going to do uh, tonight. I said, he's my kind of man.
Hallelujah. He don't even have the Holy Ghost as far as I know. But he's intense. See this stuff that's trying to get a hold of the church of the living God to take your zeal, to take your passion. God wants to rebirth it inside of you. Yeah. James and John. Who you want to be, John? It don't matter. His, 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 you know, his first initials, right, Brother J. I tell you what, you don't have to be James or John. You don't have to be. Just be Brother Jonathan. Yeah. yeah just, just rip the devil's head off. Hallelujah. <laughs> and this, this isn't just emotion. This is, this is. Powered by the Spirit of the living God. Well, hallelujah. Say family. I want to win my family. Got James and John. You got Peter and Andrew here. Come on. Hallelujah. Family members. Judas, the brother of James. Say family members. I need a passion to win my family to God. How many of y'all got a passion to win your family to God? Do you have enough passion right now that you go among family members? They say, man, there's something different about you. Well, I don't know what happened to you in, today in church, but something happened to you in church like I've never, I have never seen you like this in my life. What happened? Where'd you go to church? I want to go with you. Well, I, I got to hurry on. Hallelujah. I got to hurry. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all ready to finish? These all continue. Say, these all continue. Thank God. They didn't just start out with passion. They continued with passion. I'm talking about the pastor of the early church. They continued in their passion. They didn't get born again, you know, and after a year, get, it became an old hat to them. And it got boring to them. And it just became a Pentecostal club. They continued. They just got hotter and hotter and hotter and more committed and more dedicated and more passionate. Look at you never say they continued. I don't want to just start it. I want to finish it. Hello, somebody. Well, I'm almost through. I know I about wore you out. <laughs> say they continued. With one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brethren. Now, what I love about this is the passion of Mary is this. The passion of Mary is this. She's lost, all, she's lost her son. She's experienced great grief and great, great pain. She saw her very son crucified on a cross. Come on. Saw him taken down and put in a grave. But the, listen, come on. It didn't stop her. Yeah, at this point, she does know he's alive. She does know he is risen, yes. But she never got to a point where her grief stopped her from following the light. So that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is in the upper room with those disciples. She never loved her, let her pain stop her. She never let her grief stop her. She didn't come up with a bunch of excuses as to why she couldn't be there in that service. She never did that. She said, I'm going to be there.
Somebody called my wife Wednesday and said, well, you know what, I, I'd like to go to church there, and I'd like to raise my kids there, and all of this stuff. But she said, my health is keeping me from doing it. Now, come on, she can walk. Hallelujah. I said, she can walk. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me. She wanted to talk to me, come over to my house and talk about it. My wife said, well, meet him after church. Come Sunday morning, you, he'll be more than glad to talk. And I would, I'd be more than glad to talk to her, try to help her after church. I know I'm talking fast, but you see, I'm running out of time. And anyway, the Holy Ghost told me, he said this, if she comes and talks to you, you need to look her in the face very lovingly and but very firm and tell her that her excuses, she said her health, she said, my health is ruling me. I can't go to church because my health is ruling me. And I, God said, you look at her in the face and very loving but very firm and you tell her her excuses are going to send her to perdition. If she keeps making excuses, it will send her to hell. And I'm telling you right now, I read about a woman by the name of Mary who saw her very son die, crucified on a cross, but she never let that stop her. She kept, she was there on the day of Pentecost. She got the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. She never asked anybody to elevate her and put her in a position because she's the, the mama of Jesus. She didn't say, hey, I'm the mama of Jesus, so make me somebody. She said, I just want to be among you when he... Oh, the passion. Nothing stopped her. No pain. No grief. No disappointment stopped her. She's there. Now, that, that's passion. That's passion. Are y'all with me still? Wow. Then Peter starts preaching to them about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The passion of Jesus. And then the Bible says it right here, though. Whew. Verse 15, And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of names together were about 120. Say, about 120. Say, how many disciples did he have? How many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve. So 12 times what is 120? 12 times 10 is 120. Now watch, I'm going to show you something. The Bible says there was about 120 disciples in the upper room. Okay, that's very significant because 10 times 12 equals 120. All right, come on. Say 120. What that means is this. The, the Roman government, the Roman armies were actually divided one officer for 10 men. So that an officer influenced 10. And so what God is showing you here is that the 12 influenced 10 giving you a number of about 120. It's not 120. It's about 120. And the reason why he's giving you that is so he can show you a multiple of 10. 12 times 10. The point is this. Even the Roman, uh, even, even today, armies are set up that way. One officer for 10 men. The point is that every one of you in this church this morning have at least an influence of at least 10 people. And so what God is trying to tell you is that formula. You can find it in military. You can find it. I don't even know. How many, how many players are on the field? Eleven. Well, almost twelve. You count the coach. <laughs> but see, even I'm trying to show you structure here. Watch. You have at least an influence of ten people. That's what he's trying to show you here. And if you'll let your passion and your walk with God reproduce itself. <laughs> You can influence 10 people for the kingdom of God and bring them in. You can multiply yourself by 10 times. Give God praise. 
These men had so much of a passion that their influence over 10, they brought it in and made it 120. I'm telling you right now, church, that if we'll get the kind of passion this early church had, this church is going to turn it from 120 to 1,200. It is possible. Don't tell me it's not. It is possible. Because you've got an influence of at least 10 people that you can bring in if you've got the passion to do it. Nothing stops you. You eat, you drink, you sleep. You think about souls all the time. Kingdom of God all the time. His passion all the time. He's the king. All, it's all about him all the time. If you're like that, those ten people that you have immediate influence over, you will see them, some of them sitting beside you in the house of God. Give God praise. If you take your, your, immediate, your immediate family and your friends, your closest friends, and you put them together, you've got about ten people that you influence. And if you'll just set your sights on them, say, I'm going, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to see some of these people that I'm influencing coming to the kingdom of the living God. Do you understand what I'm telling you? God's presence is everywhere. Your influence fills this room. Your presence doesn't fill this room. God's presence fills this room. But your influence fills this room. My influence is filling this room right now. Your influence fills wherever you go. You're not omnipresent, but your influence is everywhere around you. You can bring people into the kingdom of God. Come on, church. This is harvest days. This is harvest time. God's going to bring in a church in these last days. And so this 120 is, a, is 12 multiple of 10. It's influence. It's influence. The influence of a passionate church. Give God some praise. Wow. Isn't God awesome? Y'all have that kind of passion? Bobby, where you back there? Yeah. You know what? I drive by here often. I see cars in the parking lot. And you know what I think? That person's got a passion. I don't know what they're doing, but they got a passion. I said, they got a passion. They're influencing maybe 10 kids back there, 10 children back there. They got a passion. Those children are going to grow up. They're going to influence other people. Who is influenced by your life, Mom? Who's influenced by your life, Dad? Don't throw in the towel. Get a passion for them. Get a passion for God. Don't give up. This passion of this early church, man. Goes on down and it talks about a man who lost his passion. He lost his passion. Jesus was the light of the world. He is love. Light and love brought together. You with me? Fire is created by two things. Actually three. Light and heat by combustion produces fire. He's the light of the world. And love was heat's passion. Love is what held him on the cross. The light of the world is hanging on the cross. His love is what held him there. So that love is heat's passion. And truth is light. When you brought those two together and you put him in a sepulcher, there was an explosion that took place. A combustion took place that produced fire or produced a resurrection. If you've got light and love inside of you, it will produce a resurrection. It will produce a... And when he came walking out of the grave, he didn't just come out walking 
just by himself. When he walked out of the grave, I walked out with him. When he hung on that cross, he didn't hang by himself. I hung there with him. When he was buried, he didn't get buried by himself. I was buried with him. When he walked out of the grave, he walked out not by himself, but I walked out with him. Light and heat by combustion creates fire. And if you've got truth and you've got love, it will create a resurrection everywhere you go. There will be a power and a manifestation everywhere you go. How many of you got the truth right now? How many of you got love right now? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get as far away from Brother Jonathan as I can because he's fixing to blow up. Look at him. He scares me. I'm looking at that guy. Look at him glow. He glows like a light bulb, man. Even look at Brother Daniel. Even he's kind of glowing today. That is a miracle. Even with a purple tie. Thank you. Isn't God awesome? Say light by heat. Light and heat by combustion. Light and heat by combustion creates fire. All you need is a little more truth, a little more prayer, and a little more love. And we won't have to walk up and say, Lord, resurrect them. Lord, do something in that brother life. Man, we won't have to do none of that. You'll be like a sparkler sitting there. <laughs> Jesus walked up on the Mount of Transfiguration. The glory of God that was in him radiated out of him, not upon him, but out of him. <laughs> so that literally when it talks about him being transfigured, it literally means, it literally means he went off like a sparkler. When Jesus was standing there on the Mount of Transfiguration, he looked like a sparkler going off, man. Well, but that's Jesus. That's your problem. You are his body. <laughs> you never, you, I got one question for you. Have you ever been to a Pentecostal church before? This is your first time. You'll never be the same. You will never be the same again. You walk into another church, you're gonna say, "Where's the where's where's the beef or where's the where's the spirit? You know what's going on here? You'll never be the same. I've been the same place you are right now. If you will follow after God, you'll hear this message this morning. God will take you and He will plunge you into His kingdom and set you on fire." And send you out to influence your family and those around you. And bring them in the kingdom of God. This is what you've been looking for all of your life. And this is the first taste right now. You will never be the same again. Never be the same again. When you've been in the fire, the smoke won't do. And I remember I tried it. I promise you I'm almost through. Hallelujah. I preached about four hours to you in, in a real short period of time. <laughs> I remember when I first walked into a Pentecostal church myself. I thought, who's right? One was crying over here and another one was, was laughing over here. I said, who's right? The one that's crying or the one that's laughing? I couldn't figure it out. Hallelujah. I thought they was going to get me and throw me down on the floor. 
you know, hallelujah. But I know one thing. I, at shortly there, I was baptized in Jesus' name. Shortly thereafter, I tried to go back to my old denominal church. And I walked in there. And six months later, God says, this is not your family anymore. You don't belong here. You don't even fit here. You are so out of place. He said, you got to get in your family. you got to get where the fire is. You've been in the fire and the smoke won't do anymore. Hallelujah. So I made my way back to a Pentecostal church. And became one of those crazy people. And everybody talking to me saying, no, nah, you don't want me. Yeah, I do. They got something I know I don't have. I was never the same. And never will you be the same again. Never. And I'm the most bashful person in this church. The most bashful person in this church has just said that to you. You will never be the same. Because there's something about fire and passion. Okay, let me close. Say passion lost. Bible talks about. Amen. Verse 16. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered. Look at your name and say, he was numbered. Passion lost. He was numbered. He was unfulfilled possibility. Look at your name and say, unfulfilled possibility. He was numbered. Say, past. Say, he was a used to be. He used to be. He was numbered. He's just a, a statistic. Unfulfilled possibility. He's like an extinct volcano. An extinct volcano at one time had light and fire. He walked with the light of the world and the fire of the world. Judas had light and fire in him at one time. But that volcano became extinct. It was something of the past. He was numbered. He was an unfulfilled possibility. Give God praise. He was a used to be. Somewhere in the wilderness, Judas Iscariot got lost in the past. Come on. He has no present. He has no future. Somewhere, all you can say about him is what was in the past. He used to be. He was numbered. He's no longer in the present. He's no longer in the future. He wandered somehow into the past and became an unfulfilled possibility. He lost the light that was inside of him. He lost the fire that was inside of him. Unfulfilled possibility. Don't lose it. He was numbered. Say he was numbered. Now watch this. With us and had obtained part of this ministry. It was not only something that was in the past and it used to be and what he used to have and who he used to be. But now the Bible tells me that there was an unclaimed work 
that he was responsible for that he never finished. He had part in a bishopric. He was a part of the ministry. But the work was never claimed. Come on, somebody. Lift your hands and give God praise. I don't want to end up like Judas Iscariot. One time had the light. One time had the fire. One time had the passion. And but I become an extinct volcano. I don't want to be a used to be. I want to be a present reality. And I want a future. I don't want to leave an unclaimed word behind me. But I want to fulfill the ministry for which God has called me to. I don't want them to say unfulfilled possibility. I don't want them to write that on my tombstone. I don't want them to say at one time, one time he had the fire, one time he had the light, but he's an extinct volcano. I don't want that in my life. I want the passion to increase. Come on, church. Passion lost. The Bible goes on. Are y'all still awake? That is amazing to me that this is in... This, this scripture, this passion, this message. God said, I want you to preach to them, to them the passion of the early church. And the losing of that passion by a man by the name of Judas Iscariot. Don't lose it, church. The devil wants you to sell it. And if it's for sale, he's going to name the price. And it might not be enough right now. For you to sell out. But if you are willing to sell it, he'll come up with a price. And for Judas Iscariot Church, it was only a small amount, 20, 30 pieces of silver, $20. He sold his ministry. He sold his passion for $20. And the Bible said, with it, he purchased a field of iniquity. Which means this, with that $20, he went and bought a field. He bought some real estate. But when he bought real estate, he lost the true real estate. Come on. Because I want to tell you something. There's a lot better thing than real estate. It's unreal estate. There's something about an invisible kingdom that's much more greater and much more powerful than something that... What we call real estate here is really unreal estate. And what we call unreal estate in the invisible is really true real estate. And this man sold. He purchased a field with that money. He sold his passion. And then the Bible said he went and he hung himself. Committed suicide and he fell headlong and his bowels gushed out. I don't want to lose it, do you? Oh, don't, 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 don't get sad on me. Think about what I just preached. But don't get sad on me. Because it is a possibility for even me. I'm not looking at you and I'm not telling you this only. I'm talking to myself right now. The light that's in me and the fire that's in me. The enemy wants to pay a price for it. He is after your anointing. He is after your passion. Is it for sale? Are you more on fire today than you were when we were on Brazos? I ask you as a congregation as a whole, are you more on fire today than you were when we were on Brazos? Or has it diminished? Is the, the fire and the light of that volcano cooling off? 
is it going the other direction? I'm asking you right now. If it has dwindled, it can come back alive. I said if it has dwindled, it can be rekindled. Go back where you lost him. And you'll find him there again. Come on, somebody. Lord, there are people in this house right now. You've got a hand on them. You've got a purpose for them. You've got a plan for them. And along the way, Jesus, things have come. The enemy has come to try to purchase that relationship, that commitment, that fire. And Father, but they're in this house right now. And God, you're going to rekindle in them that commission. And with that commission, that power. They are not defeated. They are victorious. I give you glory. I give you honor. And I give you praise. Sister Sophia, I'm going to speak to you right now. Just keep your eyes closed. The enemy has tried to deter your life. You've made decisions in your life that have repositioned you into God's purpose and plan. God has got His hand on your life. You will influence Steve, your husband. You will influence your family. God is going to restore to you the years that the canker worm, the palmer worm, and the locust have eaten. He's going to do it. His hand is on you. You are His daughter. Your past is under the blood. And right now, as you stand there, His fire, His light, and His passion are igniting within your spirit something that you thought was forever lost is now being rekindled in your spirit now. There is life, there is light, there is fire, there is the love of God right now. There is the presence of God right now that is rekindling within you. God, give God praise, church, right now. <laughs> Hallelujah, Lord! Hallelujah! Hallelujah. 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 Brother Andy, give me some music, brother. Shalabaha. Some of you like some of your sisters go pray with your sister Sophia. Father in your name right now. Jesus, I feel your presence here. I feel your presence here. As y'all are praying right now, I just want to close. They cast lots to replace Judas Iscariot. And the lot fell upon Matthias. Somewhere along the road, Matthias, I don't know what he did. I don't know if the office. He got placed in an office. A lot of times, lot of times when you get put in an office, once you get there, your effectiveness diminishes. We don't hear of anything taking place in Matthias' life any longer. I wonder what happened to the man that was defeated by Matthias. I wonder if he got sour, full of sour. I wonder if he was sour. I wonder if he was bitter because he lost the position. I wonder if he was willing to take second place. 
I was wondering if he had enough to be able to say, I'm going to still serve you, Lord, even though I'm not number one. I wonder how he felt. I wonder if he had enough passion to keep serving you, Lord, after he lost the position. Father, right now in your mighty name, Jesus, there are people all over this house that you are reigniting. You're setting them on fire. God, you've got an awesome plan for this church. It's been through war. It's been through all kinds of battles, all kinds of struggles. She's battle-torn. But she's your bride. She's gone through great affliction, but she's your bride. Jesus, right now, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. We ask you to move in the hearts of this church. Right now, do something in our heart. Rekindle us, God. Let that light, that love, and that fire begin to erupt inside of us. Let us feel your presence like we haven't felt it in a long time. We need you, Jesus. You've commissioned us. you placed us in this earth to fulfill your purpose. Lord Jesus, what an awesome church you have here. It's awesome people here. Lead us, guide us, tell us what to do. Show us what we need to see. Teach our hands to war. Tell us what steps to take. That your kingdom will be established in this city, in Midland. Father, for your glory and for your honor, I thank you that you have ignited a people, a church, with your passion. I give you glory, I give you honor, and I give you praise. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. God, hallelujah. Brother Andy, raise the music, please. I mean, that's right. Go to somebody, pray, pray with them right now. Don't get burnt out, church. Don't get burnt out. Don't get burnt out. Don't get burnt out. Don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Don't get burnt out. Lord Jesus, right now, breathe upon every smoking flax in this house. Breathe, Jesus. Let you win. Hallelujah. Lord. In the name of Jesus. Lord, amen. Use us to be a bright light. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus. I praise you right now for Sister Veronica, Lord. Very humble young woman of God, Jesus. But within her, there is a love, there is a passion for her, Lord. 
I thank you, God, for what you have placed in her. This passion, this love, Jesus, that she has for you. God, I just pray that it would grow and increase. Use her, God, to influence her family, her mother, and all of those that are around her, her friends. They see in her a difference. They see in her a passion. They see in her a desire. They see in her a love. They see in her you, Jesus. And right now, God, right now, your awesome glory and your awesome presence. God, we just envelop her right now from the top of her head to the sole of her feet right now, Jesus. God, hallelujah, I just praise you. I give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Father, in Oh, hallelujah. 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 Jesus' name. Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Right now, Jesus. Glory to your name. Hallelujah, Lord. Yes, Lord, right now. This young man, Jesus, you brought here. Jesus, you brought him here. You drew him by your spirit. God, that you might meet him face to face. That you might fill him with your spirit. And right now, Jesus, as he opens up his heart, inviting your spirit inside of him, dear Lord, that you would baptize him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Right now, Jesus, fill him, Lord, with your spirit. He feels your touch. He feels your spirit. Just come inside of him, Lord. He worships you as he praises you. The blood of Jesus is upon him. The blood of Jesus is upon him. Right now, Lord, God, I give you glory. I give you honor. I give you praise. Right now, Jesus, in your name. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. You brought him all the way from California, Lord. All of his past. All the things he went through. You're going to turn it around for the good. God, you're going to bless him. You're going to use him to be a blessing. Now, thank you for how you're going to use him, God. You will use him to sing the songs of Zion in a strange land. He will lift up his voice. And he will glorify you. He will sing the songs of the Lord. He will sing a new song that will flow out of his inner being. And I praise you, oh God, for 
for the song that you're giving. He may glorify your holy name. Right now, Jesus, let a love that he's never experienced replace the loneliness of his heart. Let your light flood his soul. Removing from his innermost being all the darkness and all the pain. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. 